Thank you for coming, and I hope this inspires and encourages. Um, as I've considered the real connection that there is between prayer and mission, the undeniable connection between prayer and mission. And so uh, I just put at the top there, prayer igniting and sustaining mission as we partner with the one who calls, envisions, and equips us on mission. Accomplishing the impossible Mm -hmm. through the vehicle of? That's right, through the vehicle of prayer. Through the vehicle of prayer, God accomplishes the impossible. Now I realise I haven't given out these scriptures, so uh, who would look up Psalm 2.8? Psalm 2.8, somebody just say I will. Psalm 2.8, good, thank you. Isaiah 56.7, thank you Walter. Matthew 9.37.38, Ron, thank you. Matthew 6.9 and 10, thank you. Uh, Colossians 4.3, Jenna. And 2 Thessalonians 3.1, yes, thank you. Sorry, I should have done that uh, as we were coming in. So, first of all, we're going to look at the connection between mission and prayer in the scriptures. So, this is just a quick whistle-stop tour. It's, it's not comprehensive by any means, um, but we will see there's a connection between the people of God praying and God coming with a visitation, with a revival, with a... Um, a sharing of the burden of the Lord with his people. And prayer and mission in scripture always go together. So Psalm 2.8, please. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Right. Ask me. Not go to the right conference, read the right books, um, learn the right strategies. Ask me, God says. Ask me, and I'll give you the nations. Uh, Do we have one more um, handout here for someone who's just come? Yes, one. (laughs) You knew where I was coming. I was going to say, you were meant to be here. (laughs) Okay, ask me, God says, and I'll give you the nations. Um, Isaiah 56.7 You shall bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. Right. For my house shall be called the house of prayer for all peoples. A house of prayer for all peoples. Matthew 9.37 Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Yes, ask him to send out more workers for his fields. So you see here the link between the harvest and the workers and prayer. Okay? Matthew 6, 9 and 10. In this manner pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, we want the kingdom of God to come, the will of God to be done. And how's that going to come about? It's by prayer. It's by 
praying and asking for that. Uh, what about uh, Colossians 4.3? At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Okay. Here's Paul very much in a missionary context. And what is he saying? A food parcel would be great. No, he's saying pray for us. Pray for us that a door would open. Seems impossible right now. But would you pray about this, that God would open a door for us? 2 Thessalonians 3.1 As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it is as it was with you. Right. So again, Paul wants to see the word of God spreading, being broadcast. He wants people to come to Jesus. He wants to see the culture change as it's impacted by the coming of the kingdom of God, as Jesus was telling us to pray for earlier, we read. And uh, he's saying, pray for us, partner with us in prayer. We're out on mission right now. You partner with us at home through prayer. So that's just a little cursory tour through the scriptures there. Mission and prayer in the scriptures. Yes, Effie? Uh, no, Ron read it. <laughs> okay, mission and prayer in church history. Again, not comprehensive. Just a little dip, all right? Now we have to remember, just take off our 21st century glasses for a moment and think back, say to the 1700s where the church was completely unmissional wasn't in the thinking of the people of God at all that there might be any responsibility on us to uh, spread the gospel to go to other places to make the name of Jesus known that wasn't in, in the thinking at all of the church wasn't in the theology of the church so that's a whole different way of thinking. So if we can just think like that for a moment. The Paisley Prayer Meeting for the Nations. From 1721 in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, this burden from the Lord uniquely came upon this group of people and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. I'm sorry, I don't know for how many years, but they... They just prayed for the nations. They prayed for the peoples who had never heard the name of Jesus. They prayed for those where they knew there was no Bible, there was no gospel, there was no church. And that Paisley prayer meeting resulted in 70 years later, William Carey leaving for India. And William Carey really was the pioneer of the modern-day missionary movement. He was the first person to go, and so began modern missions. And um, again, put that in the context of a totally unmissional church at that time. So that's way back uh, in 1721, where the prayer meeting began in Paisley, uh, Glasgow. William Carey, who I just mentioned... In the late 1700s, he was a shoemaker or a cobbler, as he was known. And he began to receive from the Lord a burden for the nations. And he began praying over the globe he had made, cobbled together with the odd bits of leather from his shoemaking workshop. And he began to pray for the nations, pray for the peoples. 
and he had his Sunday school class and he had them praying over the globe every week and for the peoples who'd never heard the gospel never knew about the love of Jesus and then he became the answer to his own prayers and, and he went and as I just mentioned really was the pioneer of what we now think of as just our, our missionary mindset our missionary outlook but remember prior to that time it had not been in the church for centuries the Haystack prayer meeting 1806 a group of students from Williamstown Massachusetts were sheltering from a thunderstorm a terrible storm inside a haystack they went in for shelter and as they were in there they started to talk together realized they were Christians and they started to pray they reckoned they were going to be in the haystack hiding for quite a while as this incredible storm passed over and they began praying for the nations that was in 1806 and that prayer meeting continued on for many years afterwards and in 1812 the American Board of Foreign Missions sent out its first candidate, and again, interestingly, to India. But there was a direct correlation and connection between the Haystack prayer meeting in the States and that American Board of Foreign Missions, who had been meeting and talking and talking and meeting and meeting and talking, and nothing had happened for a very long time. But then uh, action was galvanized, uh, directly out of that uh, haystack prayer meeting. Uh, D.L. Moody in the 1880s, whenever he went on one of his evangelistic campaigns, always had a lunchtime prayer meeting. And if clergymen in the town that he was visiting uh, said, well, I, I'm really on board and I don't mind being on the platform, you know, I'll, I'll make announcements, I'll do this, I'll do that. Moody's response always was, and are you coming to prayer daily at lunchtime? And if they were not, he wasn't interested. So again, the correlation between mission and prayer. Um, the Welsh Revival in 1904. Evan Roberts prayed for a revival and a visitation from God for 10 or 11 years. And he began to be so consumed... Um, by a burden from the Father's heart for Wales and for the darkness and the indifference that was there to God and for the um, lack of evangelistic outreach. And he prayed and prayed, others gathered with him, prayed and prayed, and you may have heard really just the three-word heart cry that was his and became the heart cry of so many others in Wales. Lord, bend me bend me to your will bend me so that I'm ready for when you pour out your spirit for you are surely going to do that on this land and uh, sure enough an amazing outpouring of the spirit of God uh, was given to the land of, of Wales I don't know if you're aware but often Wales is known for its male voice choirs they, they, they are gifted with am, an amazing singing voices, the Welsh people. And to this day, they have male voice choirs. And you know where that came from? In the Welsh Revival, 1904, Welsh Revival, crime stopped because so many thousands of people turned to the Lord. Crime stopped 
and the police had nothing to do. And so they started to sing, because that's what the Welsh do. They're always singing. They started to sing, and that was where the Welsh male voice choirs came from. Uh, A little spin-off out of the revival, because the police were not needed. The Hebridean revival, 1949, born out of the prayers of two housebound sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith. And they would pray through the night by candlelight in their little cottage. And their heart cry in prayer was, God, pour water on this thirsty land. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And then there was such an outpouring of the Spirit of God in calling back people whose hearts had grown cold and convicting of sin and the need to get right with God. Uh, It it was just an incredible uh, visitation of God. And where did it start? Was it because some young university students uh, were reading academic books on revival? No. It was two old ladies, both housebound, who started to pray through the night, asking God to pour water on this thirsty land. So there's just a quick dip into church history, and I I hope we've seen... um, the connection there between mission and prayer and a mission in in the sense of uh, the gospel coming to the unsaved mission in the sense of the kingdom of God coming to the people of God in greater measure and seeing the culture change as a result as the culture of the kingdom of God impacts the community so um when Ron asked me to do this, um, do a seminar, I said, well, what on? So he said, well, what about your recent experiences up in the PAR? So we have just returned from spending two years in the PAR. And um, going to work with a church there, let me just tell you, I remember sitting um, in Gateway, um, so this might be three or four years ago, one Sunday morning, and I said, Lord... I feel surplus to requirements. I just do. And I had a little conversation with the Lord, and I said, so, you know, am I just too old now? Have you just put me on the shelf? Is my usefulness all used up? Have you nothing for me to do? And so I, God was sort of stirring me and... Um, It it was not a particularly happy time. I I just felt, Lord, here I am. Woo-hoo. Val. Val's the name. And so I I got, but I I can look back now and say God was stirring me and God was getting me ready. So when we were asked, John and I, to pray about going up to the par to care for the church there, uh, I didn't need to pray about it. I thought, oh, yes, of course I'll go. I'd love to go. Um, two keys for our time there. We had a home church that um, uh, provided a continual um, support network of prayer. So um, for those of you who are pastors here, I think that's the key. That um, 
we don't love them and pray over them and send them out and occasionally perhaps have a FaceTime. But we knew that every month uh, at the prayer summit, uh, we would send down um, answers to prayer, we'd, we'd send down a Thanksgiving report, and we'd send down prayer pointers as well. And so we knew that we had uh, this undergirding of prayer from our home church. It also worked to, to make us feel very connected, but it was the prayer that was wonderful from here. And then we deliberately chose, when we were up there, to build an altar of prayer. And so from 8 o'clock till 9 o'clock on a Tuesday evening, we were going to be praying in the manse. That's what they call the house where the pastor lives. And come what may, we were starting at 8 o'clock. And if that was John and I, so be it. That's fine. But we were going to start. And soon people got the idea, well, we better try and get there for 8. Otherwise we miss, miss the beginning. And uh, so 8 till 9, we, we taught the people how to pray. We modelled how to pray. We made it user-friendly. We always started with Thanksgiving and then very specific um, items for prayer uh, at 3 till 9 o'clock. And that little group grew and it grew and it grew. The exciting thing was that, you know, they would come the, the next week as we'd give them updates. <gasps> what an answer to prayer. They were absolutely astonished at first and then it became commonplace oh that's another answer to prayer oh isn't that amazing we were praying for that only last week and so their faith was growing as prayer was growing in their heart as their heart was being expanded to pray and ask God for the nations or ask God for fill in the blank so Faith was growing as they were seeing God, not just here, and say, well, maybe in a few years I might get round to answering that, but hearing and answering. And faith was growing, and so more prayer uh, was growing, and so on. It's a cycle, but not a vicious one, a wonderful one that brings in the kingdom of God. Um, our PA and sound equipment was either broken or stolen, I think, within the first two months. The whole thing was over. It had been taken out of the building or it had broken down. So um, there was a lot of moaning and groaning and, oh dear, what are we going to do? And I said to John, well, I think God's going to replace the lot and he's going to replace the lot with the best. So none of this, let's look on Kijiji and see if there's something second-hand business. Let's ask our father for the best provision. He knows what we need and we don't just want to sort of replace what's broken or has been stolen but let's have input and know what it is that we need for an excellent sound system for this building and so that's what we started to do on Tuesday nights that was one of our prayer pointers and the guy who looks after the books said one week do you know I think I remember many years ago some, a lady passed away and she left specifically a large sum of money, but it had a label with it. It was to be used for a particular church project. And of course, there was no particular church project, and now we've all forgotten about it, but it's still there. The church was able to purchase a brand new soundboard, a multi and everything was brand new, a multimedia projector, 
a new computer, a new sound booth, new music stands, new microphones, and new speakers. And we didn't pay a penny for it. And it was covered to the last cent by what had been left and forgotten about by a lady years and years before for a specific church project. The mill was going to close, we heard, at the end of October, and about 350 people just before Christmas were going to be put uh, out of work. And in a small town, the key employer suddenly shutting down is serious. So we got praying. I'm sure other people in the town were praying, and I know the saints down here in Gateway were praying. And we we were specific. We were saying, Lord, we need somebody to buy this mill who excels in getting hold of a business that is on a downward spiral, turning it around and setting it on a new path. That's who we were asking God for. Who should come along at the beginning of December than spokespeople for an American firm who loves to find a business that's on a downward spiral, get a hold of it, turn it around, and make it profitable and expand its employment capacity. And that's who God brought. The mill never did shut. No one was put out of work. And today it's doing very well indeed. So a wonderful answer to prayer. We were praying for the infrastructure of the town. Uh, if you think the roads in Winnipeg are bad, just take a trip up to the par. Uh, in the par, it's mostly potholes with a bit of road <laughs> round. They, they are very bad. And we, we were asking, well, what about the infrastructure? Oh, the council never does anything, which was blatantly obvious. So we said, Lord, would you move on the council? Give them a shake, Father. Whatever it takes, would you release funding from Ottawa? Would you release provincial funding or send grants or whatever it is so that the infrastructure in this small town can start to be renewed because this is not good. And people just living with it, that's not good either because your expectations just become lower and lower and lower. Um, So we started praying for that. June, John and I went away on holiday. When we came back, uh, we looked... The road outside our house and the church, so outside the prayer house and the church, it was dug up to an incredible depth. There was dirt and mounds of debris everywhere. There were machines and so on going up and down that I'd never seen before. And the council, after all these years of doing nothing, had decided it was time. I think it was God who decided it was time in answer to the prayers of his people. And our road was the first road to be done, but they intend to do the whole town. And uh, everything was pulled out, the pipes, the this, the that, and brand new put in. You would have thought they were building a castle or something. It was immense what was going on. And so our cry for this infrastructure Lord, can you do something about it? Shake up the council, send in the grant money, whatever. And sure enough, that has happened. We prayed for entrepreneurs to come into the town. And just before we left, 
a, a women's clothing store, a very nice women's clothing store opened up. Never known before, I don't think, in living memory in the bar that there should be such a thing. But all of a sudden, two sisters got the idea. Uh, they researched it. They've got the finance, and there's this lovely uh, women's clothing store. And we trust it's the first of other entrepreneurs coming into the, the city. Uh, Meredith, dear sweet girl, and try her husband, in her mid-30s, no children, a great grief to them, but looking to the Lord. And we prayed with them on Sunday mornings, and we prayed for them on Tuesday nights. And right now she's in her fifth month. Uh, of expecting a child. Linnea rushed over to me. We were up there last Sunday. I just have to tell you, it's been such a healing. She um, had uh, been diagnosed just before we left in June with huge um, ovarian cysts that were causing her great pain and trouble, and she, she was uh, slated for surgery. But she said, I've got to tell you. And I don't know what it was, a CT scan or an MRI. They all sort of blur into one for me. But um, she'd had some such scan prior to the surgery. They've gone, she said. They're not there anymore. And they, they weren't small. They were large cysts on both ovaries. She said, they've gone. There's not even a scar. There's not even a mark. Such a glorious, beautiful healing uh, for Linnea. There was um, <coughs> one individual in the church who was not pleased that John and I were there at all and made that very, very plain week by week. And so John and I, this wasn't a, th a Tuesday night thing, but we started to pray, Lord, would you bring that individual either right in or take that person right out? And we hadn't been praying that for too long when there started to be a change mm -hmm. in the countenance. And this person was more, a little more personable towards us. And then a little while later, this person said to John, could I come to the prayer meeting? He said, of course, yes, everyone can come. The more, the merrier. Yes, but would I have to pray? You wouldn't ask me to pray. No, no, no. No, just come. We're all learning how to pray. Now, this person led the prayer meeting one week whilst Jason and Sylvia have been up there. They weren't able to be present on the Tuesday night. And he asked this individual, would you lead the prayer? Yes. Yes, I will. If I wanted to send an urgent mes message to the people I, who I know are prayers up in the par, that individual would be on my list. And I know that person would get a hold of it and wouldn't stop praying until there'd been a breakthrough. <coughs> so that was quite miraculous what happened in that individual's life. Lane, you know about the Hamboldt hockey team crash? Lane, through extended family, not close family, but extended family of one of the people in the church, probably suffered the most horrific injuries. So when all the other members of the team had been released from hospital, Lane was still in. They'd had to remove a piece of his skull just because of the brain injury, the brain swelling. 
It was a very bad scene. And so um, we got news about this from the person in the church. And they said, can you pray on Tuesday evenings? He's so restless. But the medical staff are saying he has to sleep. That's initially the best medicine. His body has to be at rest. But he's, he's so restless at night and his legs wouldn't stop moving. Even though he was so badly injured, his legs would not stop moving. So we started asking God to give Lane sleep and rest and be at peace at night. That was on the Tuesday night. By the end of the week, an excited text came in. He's been sleeping just this week he's started to sleep and he's at rest at night. The next uh, request was for communication. He seemed to have lost totally language. So he said, Lord, touch. Would you touch that area of his brain to do with communication and speech? Would you touch it, Lord, and restore this to him? And by the end of the week, we heard he'd started to hum recognizable tunes and him starting to hum was the beginning of him starting to speak he got a few words so then we were praying Lord expand that vocabulary and the short sentences that he could manage with a lot of effort became longer and then maybe two sentences in one go and so on Thanksgiving weekend just a few weeks ago he was released to go home he still has a long way to go, but they were saying you can do this from home now. The finances in the church increased 33%. Um, we were, were praying for a monthly budget of 8000 And someone in the prayer meeting on a Tuesday said, I think we should ask God for 10 And so we did. And so it happened. Almost as soon as we started to ask the offerings jumped up to 10,000 and I think they're getting ready for I think they'll probably start asking for 12 and so on the congregation has increased it's multi-generational it's multinational it increased by 50% sense of family has been restored the angst has gone out of the place the joy has come back into the house of the Lord and hope our nurses, we had quite a bunch of nurses, and they were forever away on Sundays. They were always on rotors and, and working. And so again, we thought, this isn't right. I know it's great when there are nurses who are Christians, and they're working in the hospitals and with the patients and so on. That's wonderful. But I thought, these nurses need to, to be with their spiritual family more than they are so Tuesday evenings we started praying about the rotors and that God would release our nurses so that they could get to be with the family of God on a Sunday well wouldn't you know it suddenly they were all there on Sundays and maybe had to work one a month uh, it was just a wonderful turnaround and a wonderful intervention uh, by God uh, Miriam she worked in a doctor's clinic in the hospital on a Sunday, she would work six weeks straight and have one Sunday and then she'd work six weeks straight and I said, Miriam, this isn't right and she said, what can I do Sister Val, they are not hiring any more staff so I have to be there 
And so I said, well, we're going to start praying on Tuesday evenings about this, and you're going to start having free Sundays to come and be with your church family. Well, what do you think happened? They suddenly changed their policy and decided, I think they took on three more staff for that doctor's (laughs) clinic in the hospital on the Sunday. Miriam was there with her family. She was there with her church family, and she felt she belonged and she was joined and she was an active part of the church where she was just getting further and further away and out of things. We met Linda. She worked in a big meat shop outside of the town. Got talking with her and, you know, why are we up in the park? We were telling her. And she said, oh, I used to go to that church years ago. And so we conversed with her, and really the story was she just sort of got out of the habit. And so we assured her of a warm welcome and so on. So Tuesday evenings we started praying for Linda, that the Spirit of God would draw her back, and that she'd be given the courage to walk through the doors again. And uh, what do you know about a month later, who should walk through the doors one Sunday morning but this lady, and she's been walking through the doors ever since. We were on mission up there. It was really a rescue mission um, to see God heal the brokenhearted and to see God restore family into his people, into that community of faith. See him restore joy, bring his kingdom in with fresh energy and love and kindness and on that mission prayer was an absolute key an absolute key it wasn't knowing the right strategies it wasn't reading the right books it was prayer that undergirded everything let me just tell you we're back now and so our new assignment is caring for Ironwood which is our seven months of discipleship school internship school and um, we felt the whiteboard needed to be replaced in the ironwood room and so John and I were talking about it I said let's ask God for the very best the very best why would we not why would we put up with something that isn't the best from our father who loves to give good gifts to his children trouble is we don't ask a lot of the time so John and I started to pray and I said you know let's make sure it is the best I'll finish with this there is now in the Ironwood room a whiteboard that if you go on the Staples website it costs $3,300 there's another website where you can get it for $2,000 we have it for $400 and it's up and it's top of the range and it's a good gift from our good father what brought that whiteboard to the Ironwood room reading the right book going to the right conference knowing the right speaker prayer that's what got it there so a tremendous partnering dependency 
prayer igniting and sustaining mission could be mission like we've just been on up in the park it could be very clear evangelistic mission it could be you changing the atmosphere where you work whatever it is partnering with the one who calls who envisions and who equips us on mission accomplishing the impossible through the vehicle of prayer there was just a last page that we haven't had time to do and really it was just to get you thinking to get you asking the Lord perhaps some of these things for yourself so you might like just to look at that include that in your devotional times this week for another time but thank you for coming